Welcome to another sermon from New Bethel Baptist Church. I hope that this sermon will help you to better know who God is, challenge you to grow in your faith, and compel you to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So this morning we will be in the book of 1 Timothy, in chapter 4, verses 6 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 16. I just want to see by a show of hands, how many people have made any resolutions for this new year? Only a handful. All right. I feel like it. maybe it's just not as popular as it used to be, but people oftentimes make resolutions, New Year's resolutions. And you think about it, I was looking at a list. Some of the most popular resolutions of the, of the top ones, three of the top ones had to deal with people's health. The first most popular resolution that people often have is to exercise more. The next one is to eat healthier. And the third one is to lose weight. Those are the top three resolutions in, in the U.S. Um, on a pretty much yearly basis. And then below that, you have some other ones uh, that, that are just usually dealing with things you would make your life better. Ha- spending more time with family and friends, having less stress, quitting a bad habit, starting a good habit, right? This is a time where people make resolutions, right? What do we often know, too, about resolutions? We forget them, or we give up on them, or they don't often happen. And oftentimes, that's because people's resolutions don't match their resolve, right? Their willpower, their desire to do this does not match up to what they're planning to do, right? They they set a goal that's way higher than what they are actually willing to put the work in to do. Uh, Because that's what I see all the time on, if you see any kind of um, exercise or fitness, people say, hey, brace yourself at the gym for the influx of new people, but just wait. By By the end of January, they'll all be gone, and it'll just be the regulars again. That's kind of how it tends to go. So as we look at this new year, this time where it, it often right, feels like, a, uh, I think it was Tom actually came in this morning and said, hey, it's a, the old one's washed away and we can have a whole new year. We can figure out what we're going to do with this one. Every, everything's, it's a clean slate, right? That's how we often approach the new year. So as we approach this new year as a church and as individuals, um, I want us to focus on, and I want us to think about our goal as a church being realizing our potential, okay? Not setting a lofty goal, not setting something that, that we are seeking after that is a, this is a very non-tangible thing that we will reach through very tangible actions. So we're going to look at reaching our potential. And we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 16. If you know anything about Timothy and Paul, they were almost a father-son, mentor-mentee type relationship. Paul was the one that was guiding and instructing Timothy as they went through their life. So Paul was, it was an apostle going around, reaching people, reaching the lost. And Timothy was one that he was kind of his protege that came along with him. And he was teaching him and guiding him. And 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy contain letters written from Paul to Timothy about how he should lead in the places he was entrusted to lead. Right, so we see the, the end goal of discipleship here that what Paul did, he trained Timothy to do. And so he's telling him about what he needs to do. And in this particular passage, I think we can see some, uh, some important things about reaching our potential as individual Christians and as a church. So 1 Timothy 4, starting in verse 6, then going through 16. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and, having go- and, and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, 
Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and, de- and, deserves, and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we ha- have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the elder, council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, as we seek You this morning, as we seek to just come before You and to look at Your Word, to look what it says to us, God, I pray that You would help prepare each of our hearts to, to examine ourselves and, and to examine our, ourselves as, as a body of believers, as a church, that we would see what you would be calling us to do today and in this upcoming year. God, I pray that you'd be with us, that we would be willing to respond in the way that you call us. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this idea of realizing potential, the first thing that we need to do individually as believers, the primary thing is to realize our potential your potential, my potential individually. Each of us needs to realize their own potential as believers. Right? So we're looking at this whole passage here. Paul is telling Timothy, specific to Timothy here, remember that, he's specifically talking to Timothy, telling him what he needs to do to be the servant that God is calling him to be. But we can look at what Paul says to Timothy and learn the principles of what all Christians should do as we seek to serve Right, so the first thing we see is that he's being trained in words of faith and good doctrine that you have followed. One of the first things, if you want to realize your potential, is to make sure you're going the right direction. We have to make sure that we are learning the right things and we are in, in, ingesting and putting into our lives and our mind the right things. Right? The words of faith and good doctrine that you have followed. It's so easy in this world to look in various places and to find false teachings or teachings that are contrary to Scripture. There are so many things that people believe and so many things that we are inundated with that are contrary to what God calls us to do. You know, one thing I think that people often fall prey to is just silly little things. And we get to irreverent or silly myths that we shouldn't have anything to do with. But good doctrine, good teaching. On Wednesday nights, we've been going through this idea of doctrine, the things, that, the, the things that we believe. That's what doctrine is. What do we believe? Why do we believe it? I was talking with a friend who I grew up with and went to church with my whole life and, and just talking about some of the things and, and really how I think that being a pastor is often very intimidating. It is scary because people hear the words that pastors say often and hold them as true. But that's not always the case. Pastors don't always say true things. Sometimes pastors slip up. They might even say something wrong, comes out wrong. I'm sure if you showed me everything I've ever preached, I'd probably disagree with some of it at times. Do you know what pastors are seeking to do? 
to take what's written here and to relay that information in a faithful and accurate way. And that's why he's, he's saying this is so important. Because if he's going to be a, a teacher and a leader, he needs to make sure that the doctrine that he's been taught is good. And what I was talking to this friend about, and what he, he kind of said to me is that too often many people that sit in churches and sit in churches their whole life don't really go, and this is not, he's not a pastor, he's a, he's a churchgoer. They don't really have a good understanding of what they believe or what their church believes. And one of the places this is most evident is how many people I've seen through my life that will navigate through various denominations. Now let me explain this to you. This, I grew up in the Methodist church. Okay, They believe very different things than the Southern Baptist church believes. And when I came to the point where I was confronted with that, I had to, I had to wrestle through it and it was good for my growth because I heard one thing my life growing up and I heard another thing and I had to look, well, what does the Bible say? Do you know why I'm still here? Because I believe that what the Bible says is, is what we as a church believe and what the Southern Baptist denomination tends to believe. doesn't mean we're the only denomination that agrees with those things. But I've seen many people that it's not that case. They're not moving from one denomination to another for better doctrine. They just happen to be there. And they don't seem to have any quarrels or qualms with any disagreements. You know why? They don't know. So if we want to be good Christians, if we want to realize our potential, we have to know what the Bible says. We have to know with whether, if what we're being taught lines up with it. I hope that when you hear me teach, you don't just take my word for it. If something doesn't sit right with you, I hope that you take it to the Word of God. Okay, so the words of faith and good doctrine that you have followed. So it's not just knowing what you believe, knowing the right thing to believe, but you follow it. You put it into action. Having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Instead, train yourself for godliness. We're going through this passage a little bit as we go through it. So the, the good doctrine that we need to have replaces silly and irreverent myths. And, and you know, New Year's Day is one that has it. Does anybody know a myth or a, a superstition about New Year's Day? I just found out this morning. Apparently, you're not supposed to wash your clothes on New Year's Day, right? A superstition. How many superstitious, you ever heard that quote? I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious, right? Everybody has little things that are silly that they hold on to and they shouldn't. We don't serve those things. We don't serve things of this world. We serve God. So have nothing to do with irreverent or silly myths. And you, we might think of this, what is he talking about here? Well, this time, a lot of people were saying a lot of things. There were all sorts of different factions that kind of splintered off. There was what they called the circumcision party, basically saying, if you want to follow Christ, you've got to become a full-fledged Jew, and that's the only way you can serve Christ. Then there were people saying, hey, the resurrection's already happened. If you missed it, you missed it. Whoops, Christ already came back. Then starting here and on into time after that, there's Gnosticism. Hey, there, you've heard that, but there's some secret knowledge. that If you hear that, then you'll truly know God. All of these things going on. And do you know what Paul says about it? have nothing to do with it. Silly, irreverent myths. I wonder how many times throughout history there's been headlines or talks in churches of, oh, have you seen these signs of the end times coming? Oh, have you seen the, these, this person that's doing this thing? Oh, this might be 
Christ come again. I don't know if you've seen, but right now there's a, there's a person in, in Israel that they're saying might be the, the Jews' Messiah. Right? That He's coming and he, they're, they're following Him. He's got a big following. Don't worry about it. Don't have anything to do with these irreverent, silly myths. I'm not saying that we ignore everything, but here's the thing. I know from experience with a lot of people that, that, that deal with these kinds of things that if they put the time and effort into studying God's Word that they did into trying to find out and, and interpret the signs and figure out all these things going on, they'd be a lot better Christian. They'd know a lot more about who God is. So don't have anything to do with those things. Train yourself for godliness. It's easy to get caught up in the fringes of what's going on and all of these, these who said what and hearsay, but train yourself for godliness. Focus on being like Christ. Because physical, value has, physical training has some value. So any of you that have made that New Year's resolution that you want to get a little healthier, hey, the Bible says that has some value. And it does, right? It's good for you. You're able to serve God, honestly, in a much better way if you're healthier. Good. But godliness is a value in every way in this life, and in the life to come. If we want to reach our potential, the only potential that matters is how well we follow Christ. It doesn't matter if you achieve every earthly goal that you've set, if you're not pursuing becoming like Christ in your life. And then we see toward the end of this passage how, he conti- how vigilantly and how much resolve we should have in this. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. I want you to think about that. The few people that actually reach their goals they set, right? If you, if you see somebody after months and months, maybe a year or two, and they've, they've lost a tremendous amount of weight, what does everybody say? Wow, look at you. What did you do? Can't tell me your secret, right? They want to know. What have you done to reach this goal? Or if someone uh, learns a language, oh, say something. Tell me something. What are they supposed to say, Right? Say something to me. Say something in your language. Or they travel the world. Let me see the pictures. Tell me some stories. They get a promotion. Oh, that's so awesome. How's it all going? They reach their goals. If you reach your goals as a Christian, if you become more like Christ, the same effect will happen. He says, train yourself, immerse yourself in them so people will see your progress. How did you do that? How, did, how are you not the same as you once were? How are you so much more like Christ? I, I knew you back in the day and you used to get into a lot of things, just, just with me, right? Why are you so different now? Do you know the only way you get there? Train yourself and immerse yourself. Practice these things. Become like Christ. So, how do we apply this to our life? How do we reach our potential? So, it's, it's a very general goal. Realize your potential. I would say there's hopefully not a person in here that would say that they don't want to become a better Christian. They don't want to follow Christ more faithfully this year. Those are very abstract concepts. So how do, how, what does it look like? Find some tangible ways to grow in your faith. A daily prayer time, a daily devotional time. If you don't do that, start that this year. Now, I want to challenge you to be realistic, right? Make sure that your resolve and your resolution match each other. If, you're, if you've never had a, a daily quiet time where you're reading the Bible... And praying, don't decide you're going to pray for an hour and, and read the entire Bible three times in a year. Because I don't know, when I was younger and, and in high school, I don't know how many reading plans I got to about midway through Exodus and stopped. And I would say there's probably many of you that might have done that as well. Because they all go from front to back. 
Find something you can do. If you've never read the Bible daily, start with reading a chapter a day. Find a Bible reading plan that's more realistic for what you want to do in your life or where you're at. If your goal is to become a runner, you don't go run a marathon the next day. That would not be very wise. So if you haven't been reading your Bible, because here's what I'll tell you. If you, ha- if you don't read your Bible and you start doing those reading plans and you do read the five or six chapters a day it takes to go through the Bible in a year, do you know what you're doing? Most likely you're just reading. You're not meditating on God's Word. You're not taking in the truth of what it takes because you can sit there and read it and not have maintained anything through it. Make sure that you meditate on God's Word. Seek to know Him through it. Maybe an answer, a way to do this to be more intentional in your prayer life is to track the prayer requests you get and then see how they are answered as they go. Write things down. Journal about your, your quiet time with God. Find ways to tangibly take a step forward in your relationship with God. It's individual. This is realizing your potential. What are you not doing that you can do today and tomorrow and the next day to grow closer to God? And outside of that, read trustworthy Christian books. Maybe find a couple, ask for some recommendations of trustworthy that teach good doctrine, that have right belief. And again, don't take those for their word for it. Compare them to Scripture. But they can help with maybe a specific challenge or problem that you're having. Maybe there's something that you want to, to learn more about. Maybe there's a struggle you're having in your life. There are people that have devoted time to helping compile God's thoughts on those things. Those are good ways to grow as well. Another way I think is invaluable is, is memorizing Scripture. Make it your goal to memorize Scripture this year. I don't know if you have heard of Passion before. It's a college and young adult gathering, and I think it just happened this past week. And what I saw from there was a little bit mind-blowing. So David Platt, have you heard of David Platt? I think he was in IMB at one point, but he's a pastor. He wrote the book Radical years ago. He's very, very popular. But when he spoke... At Passion, he recited from memory Romans 1 through 8. 25 minutes, 25 minutes of reciting Scripture that he committed to memory. Do you know what that means? That when David Platt goes through his life, he has got Romans 1 through 8 ready to recall as he encounters life situations. I'm sure there are times in your life when you've, you've had a friend that's maybe given you a card or, or shared some Scripture with you and it was uplifting. Imagine if that was imprinted on your heart, committed to your memory, the Scripture that can help uplift you. So memorize Scripture. Again, don't try to go just from memorizing Romans 1 through 8. Or don't think that you can't do it. Almost every Christian I know at some point has probably memorized Romans or, or John 3.16. Right? Start small. Start with the ones that are most meaningful. And over time, you will build a great knowledge base. Grow in your faith. Whatever step it is, these are a couple tangible ideas, but find some tangible ways to, to this time next year be able to look back and see your own progress. This time next year, people look at your life and they see your progress as a believer. So not only are we wanting to realize your progress, my progress, individual progress, we as a church need to realize our potential. We need to realize our potential as a a church. And a lot of what Paul is saying to Timothy in this passage is about what he's telling him to do for local believers to build the body of Christ. Now, again, the first step to build the body of Christ is to build yourself. 
You have to be able to invest in others if you want to invest in others. You have to invest in what you are capable of doing before you can... You can't share knowledge you don't have. You can't share experience you haven't gathered. You can't pour out of an empty jar. So you realize your potential... And then as you do that, you serve the body of Christ. So one of the things he tells them to do is to command and teach these things. See, Timothy was in a place of, of authority and leadership in these churches. Command and teach these things. I'll, I'll tell you, and I've, I've said this before, and I hope it doesn't come across in the wrong way. Public speaking is not my favorite thing to do. That seems very strange that I'm a pastor, and one of the primary things I do is I get up and talk. And some people even think I talk too long, so... It's not. The reason I feel confident and the reason I do teach is that what I'm teaching, if I'm doing it right, isn't my thoughts and opinions. I'm taking what God says and relaying it to His people. And hopefully they will look at it and see for themselves whether it's true or not. Hopefully making it more to where it is understandable. Hopefully making it to where it is applicable to your life today. And that's why he says command. Timothy doesn't have authority in and of himself. I don't have authority in and of myself. But I do feel confident that I can stand here and and say that, that there are things in here that I can command you to do because it's not me telling you. When I say preach the gospel, share the gospel in your life, that is a command. It's not from me. It's from God. And so part of this body of Christ that we have is this, this structure where we invest and call each other to do things. And if you want to be a part of the body of Christ, if you want to get actual benefit from being in the church, being the church, you have to be willing to submit to appropriate authority. That doesn't mean you submit to me as a person. It means you submit to what God's Word says. Because here's what I hope you do. is If I'm ever telling you something crazy... I hope you will command me to be be quiet and to stop. Because that's what God's Word says as well. We command one another through Scripture. We teach one another through Scripture. So any people that hold such positions in churches, Sunday school teachers, deacons, pastors, we should command and teach one another. And you don't have to have a position to, to teach and command one another to follow God's Word. We also see something I think that is directly again to Timothy. Let no one despise you for your youth. So why does he say that? Obviously, Timothy's pretty young. He's a young guy. And growing up, having a call to ministry from a young age, I enjoyed that because I was in youth when I knew I was called to ministry. And that's an encouraging thing. If you are a youth here, if you're a young person, then, then you can still do things for God right where you're at. You don't have to become, you don't have to get older to a certain age. You don't have to get married first. You can serve God right where you're at. But I think a bigger principle from that, let no one despise you for your age. Wherever you're at. Well, I'm not young enough anymore to do that. Serve God where you're at. Let no one tell you, or let yourself not be told, that, that you can't do or serve or be in a place because of your age. Or whatever, whatever old or young in the middle. Our age or other similar situations should not be a deterrent from serving in God's church as He calls us to. But instead, so don't, don't let anybody despise you for your youth or your age. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. This is where 
when you realize your potential as a Christian, this is where it becomes evident in your speech, the way you talk. We've talked a lot about that through different sermons, but how are you talking to people? What words do you use? What language do you use? How are you positive or are you negative? Are you talking about people or lifting people up? Tearing down or building up? Your speech should set an example of what Christ calls us to do. Your conduct. How are you living? What are you doing? What are the actions you, that you do, whether people see them or not? Are they pointing people to Christ? As you realize your Christian potential, it becomes evident in the church. In love. In love. Are you loving people the way God has loved you? If you grow in your love and you, it becomes evident, people see that. In faith. Are you a person that is filled with faith as you live your life? In purity, do you seek to follow God and keep yourself unstained from the world? Through our actions and growth we experience individually, we should set an example for one another. And it says that in Romans, right? That we should outdo one another in showing love. Imagine if our only competitiveness in, in church was to outdo one another in showing love and to outdo one another in seeking to be like Christ and building each other up the whole time. That's what we should be doing. He tells him that to commit himself to the public reading of Scripture, exhortation, to teaching. This is why we gather as a church. Other places it says don't neglect gathering together as some have, have become in the habit of doing. Why? So we can come together, read Scripture, exhortation. We can talk about it, call it out in each other's lives. We can say, hey, you need to do this because this is what God's Word says. You're not doing this correctly. Because this is what God's Word says. We should have that authority in our lives with one another to help call each other to live more faithfully, to teach. There's a lot of things in Scripture that take a long time. Have you ever had the moment where you've read a Scripture probably tens, twenty, tons of times, and you read it again, you're like, that's what that means. Oh, I get it now. But you know what? There's other people in your life that they're stuck on time 52 of reading it, they don't know it yet. Guess what you can do? You can teach. You can share with others. We do this because God's Word is living and active and powerful and will transform us and will transform those around us if we will call into each other's life in this way. So how do we apply this? How do we realize our potential this year? Commit to being more involved in the body of Christ. Now, what, is, what does that mean? Commit to being more involved. It can mean different things for different people. You know, if you look at any church attendance type chart, it has a very strange category, right? It's got every, every week, it's got once or twice a month, it's got once, once a month, rarely never. That's when if you look at kind of the statistics, ideally, every, every Christian should be in every week. I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to be here. It doesn't mean you don't ever go on a vacation. It doesn't mean you don't go visit family. But if you have the ability to be at church, as a believer, you should be at church. You should try to find ways to be here. If you look at anything and everything else in our, in our lives that we value, that we hold to, we do that. You're not going to just go to your job one day and say, you know what, I just was a little tired. I stayed up a little late the night before. And so, you know, I know I did that last week, but I'm just a little tired today. Or, you know what, uh, I had another thing that, that I planned, and I just can't do it. There are so many things in life that we are unwilling to compromise. And too often, church is the first thing we drop. Flip the priorities in your life. 
Value church. Find ways to, to make, if that's you, if you're a person that struggles with being regular in attending church, find ways to make it a priority. If you regularly attend, maybe you can attend Wednesday nights. Maybe you can attend other. T- but if you regularly attend, don't just be a seat warmer. Right? We have heated seats here. They just happen when the people sit in them. Don't let that be your only role in church. Because we come together to be built up, to hear Scripture, to, to exhort one another, to be challenged. But every single one of those things you hear is going to be telling you you don't need just to just sit there. Everything the Bible says, everything I'm going to say is not about just sitting, taking in. That was nice. Where do you want to go eat? We'll see you next week. It's not what it's about. It's about growing and serving. So serve in some way. Nursery, children's church that we're starting very soon. Greeting people, youth, anywhere. It doesn't even have to be a role. Maybe you just realize, you know what? I don't really talk to people. I'm going to get up and talk to people. I'm going to get to know the people in my church. Because no matter how long you've been in a church, there's always going to be probably somebody you don't really know that well. Or somebody that you can invest in their life. You know how many, how many times where you go through something hard and you had somebody invest in you, say, you know what, I've gone through the same thing. God will be with you. And they encourage you. Do you know what? If you've been through that, guess what? Now it's your turn. It's your turn to do that. I remember when I was, the, the, the last church was that when I was working with the youth, they talked about, man, I loved youth. It was so fun. We went on all these trips. We went on all these fun things. And it's just not like that anymore. And I was like, how old were you when you did that? Like, well, we were like seventh, eighth graders. And how old are you now? Seniors. Do you know why it was fun? Because those seniors included you and let you come along. And now you don't want to be around these seventh and eighth graders because you think they're annoying. If they had, had taken that perspective with you, you wouldn't have had fun. It has to be a cycle where you invest in other people. The next thing is accountability. Allow yourself to be accountable to other people. Seek to hold others accountable. When we, when we look at Scripture, too often in the church, right? When, when people look at the church and they say the problem, the reason they don't go is hypocrisy. Do you know why hypocrisy is, exists? Because we're unwilling to let people call us out and to call others out ourselves. Because you think we don't know it doesn't, you don't think we know it exists? You don't think we know when people are, oh, yeah, did you hear about what so-and-so? Don't do that. Don't talk about it. Talk to them. Help them. Love them. That was in the Sunday school lesson this morning. The first thing we should do is love them, right? When, when Peter started to sink in the water, the first thing Jesus did was grab him. But then he, whether it was, lo- it was in love, he rebuked him for his lack of faith. We help them out of their mess. We call them to do better. We have to do that with one another, with each and every one of us. We also should be seeking out those who should be in church. We should be seeking out those who should be in church. And I'll, and I'll just be kind of real with you. I know that through the, the times I've been here, I've talked with many of you and had conversations, and, and there will be various times where someone will come up in the conversation. I'm like, I don't know that I know that person. Yeah, they haven't been here for a while. I think one of the ways that we can realize our potential as a church is to seek to re-engage people who should be here that aren't. Through, our, through relationships that we have with them. Right? Don't, you don't have to do it alone. Find people to help you. That doesn't mean someone that's settled well into another church, because that's okay. That happens. But I'm talking about people that aren't here that should be here. Find ways to, to reach those who should be in church. 
And that could be that they should be in this church because they have been in this church. Or maybe you got somebody that's a neighbor and they moved in next door and you got to know them and they said they're a Christian, but they don't go anywhere on Sunday morning. I'm talking about if we want to realize our potential as a church and as the collective body of Christ outside of our church walls, we need our Christians realizing their potential by being in the church. And through that, we reach our potential. The last thing that we see, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, because he really doesn't talk about it in this passage, but it's the whole culmination, the whole point of all of this, is that we then go from here as people who are trying to realize our individual potential, as a church trying to reach its potential, to proclaim to people their potential. We go and tell people about the good news of salvation available in Christ Jesus. Because the only reason we gather, the only reason we do any of this is because of what Jesus has done for us. And through Him, we realize that we have a potential to grow and to, be, to, to spend eternity with Him, but also to become more than we are right now in this life. And so the, real, the reality is for lost people walking condemned because of their sin, the potential for them is salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so what we ought to do, what we are commissioned to do, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. The, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see where he says, you will be my witnesses in, in all of the areas. And how we are ambassadors for Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Those are, I think, my three favorite that talk to us about what our job is. We have to go and we have to tell the good news of what Jesus has done. Because that's why Paul isn't with Timothy. Paul's off telling someone about the good news of what Jesus has done. And Timothy is somewhere else telling people about the good news of what Jesus has done. We need to tell people. So how do we do that? We talked about that earlier in in December, about our goal of having gospel conversations. For yourself, seek to have gospel conversations this year. So what is a gospel conversation? To, To refresh And I'm going to refresh you a lot this year. A gospel conversation is talking to someone with the intention of sharing Christ with them. You might talk to them and they'll be like, you know what, I actually go to church. That's a good thing. Because you got to the point where you were able to have that part of the conversation. You might talk to them and they might shut you down. That was my most recent gospel conversation. I talked to them, they shut shut it down. Have gospel conversations. I want you to think for yourself, how many times did you share the gospel last year? How many times did you actually share the gospel where you got to maybe call them, do you want to follow Christ? Okay. How many times did you intend to do that in a conversation? How many gospel conversations do you think you had? The only goal I want you to set is that this year it's more than last year. Do that intentionally. Don't just think it's going to happen. Don't, don't just have a wishful thinking. I want to, it's like people, that's one of the problems, right? I want to get healthier. Well, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. Just try. Well, if you want to get healthier, you go to the gym, you, you track your calories, you do things, you, you pay attention. Try to set a number, a minimum of this many and, and this amount of time so that you'll be intentional about it. Maybe that's your problem. Well, I don't really talk to a lot of people. Maybe part of what you do is you seek to talk to new people. 
Engage new people so that you can tell them about what Jesus has done for them. So have more gospel conversations this year. One of the ways to do better at that is to learn new methods of evangelism. I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. There's a lot of people that have done a lot of, spent a lot of time investing in ways to learn how to share the gospel. So as we begin this year, as you reflect on last year, and we begin this year together worshiping God, coming to, to look at what His Word says to us, I want to ask you, are you realizing your potential as an individual? What do you need to do this year so that at the end of this year, you and others will be able to look at your life and say, you look, you've grown in your relationship with Christ. You are closer to God today than you were last year. What do you need to do this year to grow? What actions can you take? As a church, and here's the thing, as a church, we can't control other people's actions. So the only way that you can help us realize our potential is through your involvement. What can you do to help the church realize our potential? What ways can you invest? What ways can you serve? And one thing I didn't mention, I am always open to new ministries or new ideas or new things. The only precondition is you be willing to help and do it. You know how many times I've encountered that in ministry? You'd be, you, we should start this ministry. Good luck with that. And then they leave. They, they commission you to, to do something that they think should happen and they don't want to do it. What can you do? Maybe you have an idea that's been on your heart. You know what? That might be God telling you to do it. I know we still have a spot for, for children's churches out there. There are opportunities to serve, but if we want to realize our potential, it takes all of us coming together to play our part. And ultimately, then we can help reach our goal of, of proclaiming the potential of people to come to know Christ. So this morning, as you reflect of that, we're going to have a time of invitation. And the most important question I can ask you this morning is, do you know Christ? All of these things I've said mean nothing if you don't have a relationship with Christ. You can't work hard enough, you can't do enough on your own to earn your salvation. You cannot do more, try harder to earn salvation. The only way that we can be saved is what, through what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's why we celebrated Christmas. The Savior of the world has been born so that He, he bore our sin, He took our shame, pierced for our transgressions, so that by faith we might be saved. So if you have questions about that, if you've never made that decision to follow Him, to repent of your sins, to, to, to be saved, I would love to talk to you this morning. If you have other concerns, other cares, I'd love to pray with you this morning, talk to you this morning. The altar is open as well. As you reflect on your life, what do you need to do this year to realize your potential? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for this day that You've given us, and we thank You for this time that we can gather together. God, I pray that as, as we go from here, as we have this time that we, we have this time of invitation, that You would help convict each and every one of us of what we need to do to grow closer to You this year that you would show us very clearly the, the steps and the actions we need to take individually to look more like you, to realize our potential. Lord, I pray that all of us would come together and that this church would realize its potential because of all of the people playing their part. And Lord, I pray that we can proclaim the good news of the gospel to the world and to be obedient in sharing that message.
pray that you be with each and every one of us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope this sermon has been a blessing to you today. If you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you through our church Facebook page, email, or by calling the church office.